And I'm thankful that God was in the mix, aren't you? Because I promise you, if I try to get up here and do anything in and of my own self, it's going to be a mess. But if God's in the mix, He can make something beautiful out of it. Amen? If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to the book of Isaiah, the 61st chapter. Isaiah chapter 61. I want to begin reading in verse number 1. Words of the prophet Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to them that are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all that mourn. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word today. God, I thank you for your presence that I feel in this room right now. And Lord, I confess with my mouth, if you don't show up in the next few moments and help this preacher, we're all going to be in trouble. Lord, I'm asking you to anoint these lips of clay to minister your word to your people. I'm asking you to anoint the ears of the hearer, God, that they would hear and receive from your word today. Father, I'm asking you right now, God, that your word would penetrate our heart. And God, that it would go into the deep recesses of our heart, Lord, and do exactly what needs to be done in the lives of your people. Father, I don't believe that anything that's happened this morning was by accident, but God, I believe it was by divine appointment. And God, I believe that you've already begun to arrange things and position things, God, exactly the way you want them to be done. And Father, I'm asking you right now that your word, according to your word, would not return void this morning, but it will do that which it is sent to accomplish. Father, I bind every hindering spirit in the name of Jesus. I take authority over every spirit of distraction in the name of Jesus. God, that would try to hinder or distract us from hearing or receiving the word today. And Father, I just pray right now, God, that you would loose the Holy Ghost and the fire in this house. And God, I pray that your people, Lord, their lives would be changed for the glory and the kingdom of God. God, that we would not leave this place the same way we walked in, but God, that we'll leave knowing that you have arrived, you have walked among us, you have placed yourself in our midst, and God, we have received from you you this day in the mighty name of Jesus we pray in the mighty name of Jesus in the mighty name of Jesus and all of God's people said amen I'm going to be very transparent with you this morning I'm going to be very honest with you this morning Sometimes when it's time for me to get up here and deliver the word, it's not always something that I'm excited about delivering. Doesn't change the fact that it's the word of God. It just means that it's a little heavier at times than it is at others. But I believe that I'm on a divine assignment this morning. I believe the Lord has directed me and directed this service in a certain direction to do what he wants to do. I want to talk to you about healing this morning. But before I get into the message, I, I, I want to just speak to you from my heart about healing for just a moment. You see, so many times when we come to church and we hear a message about healing, or we hear the preacher refer to healing, or something about healing is mentioned, we immediately think about the physical body. 
because the physical body is a lot of times the easiest thing that we can pinpoint an illness with. And I'm not trying to minimize healing for the physical body at all. And I'm not saying that if you're here this morning and in need of physical healing that it's not going to happen or it can't happen. I'm not saying that at all. God's got him to do what he wants to do. I was about my own business this week. Just doing something. I don't even remember what I was doing. When the Lord just all of a sudden bombarded me with this. And I was like, okay, Lord, I've preached on healing many times. I preached last Sunday about God being a personal God. About how He wants to be involved in our personal lives. I talked to you about how He is, he is very much concerned about what's going on in your life. And then the Lord drops this in my spirit for today. I don't think it's a coincidence that God first set us up last week to let us know that He wants to be involved. But the healing that I want to talk to you about today that I feel like the Lord is really wanting to drive home is the deep, dark recesses and places in our heart where we have a tendency to harbor things that we don't want to deal with. And let's face it, there's some things that we don't always want to deal with. We don't want to deal with it because of the feelings that it causes to surface. We don't want to deal with it because of the memories that it brings about. We don't want to deal with it because it makes us feel a certain way that's not always comfortable. But nevertheless... The Lord wants to get into our business, into the place that we don't want Him to be, to bring about a healing in our life because there's something there that's holding us back. Here's what I heard the Lord say. The hurt that we've been holding on to and embracing is holding us back from doing all that God wants us to do. I'm going to say it again. The hurt that we've been holding on to, that we've been embracing, is holding us back from doing all that God wants us to do. What happens is it prevents us from being more productive in His kingdom. We have to stop embracing the hurt as something that we just must live with. I've heard it many times. I've just got to deal with it. I've just got to live with it. This is just my lot in life. Hello, somebody. But the fact of the matter is, if you're a child of God, it's not your lot to begin with. If you're a child of God, it's not your problem to deal with. It's God's problem to deal with. But what happens is, we have a tendency to want to hold on to something because it gives us a sense of validity for certain other feelings. I have a right to be angry with somebody because of the way they hurt me. Oh, I'm going to preach this morning because I feel the Holy Ghost. I have a right to be upset because of what they said to me. I have a right to feel the way I feel because of what they did to me. But the reality of it is... The right you think you have was abolished at Calvary. The right you think you have was done away with at the cross. The reality of it is, all we're really wanting is a crutch to lean upon. All we're truly wanting is something to validate the way I feel. Say, preacher, are you mad? I'm not mad at anybody but the devil this morning. 
But I'm telling you, I have a heavy assignment this morning. And you can make one of two choices. I'm just going to be as real as I know how to be today. You can tune me out for the next few minutes. And you can disregard anything that I say. And you can continue to walk around and carry the mess you've been plagued with for a number of years. Or you can understand that the Lord has stopped by to talk to you this morning. And if you'll let him talk to you, you can leave this house with some weight loss. But I'm just here to tell you this morning that God's got more for you to do than walk around in the molly grubs. God's got more for you to do than for you to walk around and nurse your hurt. Hello, somebody. When you nurse it, you rehearse it. And when you rehearse it, it continues to help you feel the way that you are feeling. You say, well, preacher, I don't want to feel that way. Well... Maybe some days, but some days we do. Because it gives us a sense of entitlement. But the reality of it is, when I read the Word of God, and we find this same passage of Scripture, the first verse, second verse, in the New Testament, it was speaking of Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord has come upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Can I preach? You walk around with a broken heart like it's your lot in life when the Word of God says that He came to bind up your broken heart. He didn't ever intend for you to walk around with a broken heart. He didn't ever intend for your day to be fashioned and shaped and formed by a broken heart. We've all had a broken heart. Somebody's walked out on us. Somebody has left us. Somebody has dropped the ball in our relationship. Somebody has done something that has caused us to have a broken heart. We've all been there. But we don't have to live there. Because Jesus came to bind up the brokenhearted. Jesus came to heal your broken heart. Let me reach way back into some childhood days. Jesus came to heal your achy, breaky heart. But not just to do that, but to proclaim liberty, which liberty is freedom, to the captives. Now listen, we can talk about this one of two ways. But the fact is what we hold on to and what we are holding on to and embracing the most is what's holding us captive. Oftentimes, this is going to get heavy this morning, but oftentimes the reason we're holding on to these things and we're dealing with these things like we are and we're not turning them loose to God is because deep down in our heart we don't even realize that we're holding on to unforgiveness. Yeah. You know, the thought of a person that enters your mind, the way it makes you feel, if it makes you feel any other way than love for them, then you're probably holding on to something you don't need to hold on to. You've heard me say this before. I've said it here. I'm going to say it again. Our willingness to forgive somebody is not about the other person winning. It's about freeing me. Because as long as we hold on to unforgiveness, we are allowing them to control us from a distance. We are allowing them to live rent-free in our mind. Hello, somebody. But he says he came to set at liberty freedom those who are captives. The opening of the prison to those who are bound. What does that mean? That simply means that he never intended for us to be bound. He never intended for us to be incarcerated by our feelings. He never intended for us to be jailed by our emotions. He never intended for us to be in custody by the thoughts of our mind. But he said... 
I have come to set you free. And the scripture says that he who the son has set free is free indeed. We don't have to walk around bound up by emotions and consumed in our mind by our feelings and allow unforgiveness to rob us of the peace and the joy and the love that God has for us. But we do. I said, but we do. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Hmm. I got to thinking about something. Perhaps I'm not winning any more people to Christ than I am because I've portrayed the wrong Jesus to them. Perhaps I have portrayed a Jesus to them that can't heal my broken heart. Perhaps I have portrayed a Christ to them that cannot heal the emotional hurt and the psychological damage that I've been inflicted. Why do you say that, preacher? Because whether we realize it or not, those things shape who we are. Those things make us who we are as long as we allow them to hold a residence in our heart and our mind. So what are you saying, preacher? I've just come to tell you this morning that just like God can heal your back pain, your leg pain, God can heal a kidney stone, God can heal any other kind of a physical ailment we have, I serve a God that's able to heal your emotional state, He's able to heal your psychological state. He's able to set you free. He's able to forgive you. If he's able to forgive you and he's able to heal your physical body, then he is able to free your mind. He is able to bring healing to every ailment that you deal with. Do you want to be free? Do you want the Lord to set you free? free. Listen, verse 3. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. Mourning in Zion. Sound like church. Yeah. To give them beauty for ashes. Oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they might be called trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he might be glorified. Now I've got to the verse I really want to preach from. You see, one of the most difficult tasks that you and I face is the ability to see the good in our lives. It seems like the bad things or the negative things always loom larger than everything else. It's easier to see the negative than it is the positive. It's easier for us to identify the things that are wrong quicker than we can the things that are right. My prayer is that we leave with a different perspective today. A perspective that seeks to search out and find the greater positive in our life and prevent the negative from constantly bombarding us. The reality of it is, once someone has brought another person to the absolute point of, of fear, then they become obsessed with fear. Then fear brings oppression. So obsessed with that fear that it's all the individual can think about. And so it begins to control their every thought. Their every decision and it controls everything about them until they allow God to break the stronghold. But my Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Fear is a trick and a tool of the devil. 
Fear is an attempt of the enemy to isolate us from everyone else. It is an attempt to isolate our thinking and our thought processes to what we're fearing the most. But Jesus said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, That's not much. You shall say to this mountain, be removed to yonder place, and it shall be removed. Nothing shall be impossible. (laughs) Luke 18, 27 says, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. What the doctor can't fix, God can. I have no problems with doctors. I'm just simply saying to you that there's some things the doctor can't help. The Lord has promised beauty for ashes. What are ashes? Nothing more than the remains of something that once was. Ashes are the evidence of something that once existed but has now perished. People lose many things in the midst of the ashes. Lives are lost. Precious heirlooms that hold memories are lost in the ashes. The ability to touch or hold a special souvenir that holds a memory can be lost in the ashes. But God has promised to give us beauty for ashes. What kind of ashes do you have in your life? What are some things that has been there and is no longer there and now it's ashes? I don't claim to know a whole lot, but I've built a fire or two in my time. And I remember as a young boy growing up, my grandparents had a fireplace that in the wintertime my grandfather would build a fire in. And brother, I remember that after he would arrange the logs and light the kindling and the logs would ignite, they would burn. And we would have warmth, we would have heat in the winter. But I also learned some things about a fire. And I also learned that what we most of the time are consumed with the most is what we see the biggest. The flickering of the flame. The heat and the warmth that it provides. But I also learned that something else has to happen. What has to happen is after the logs have been burned and after there is an ash heap in the fireplace... At some point, you have to reach over and get the little shovel and the bucket and you have to remove some ashes from the place the fire once burned. Because if you don't remove the ashes from the place where the fire once burned then the new fire can't receive appropriate oxygen to burn the flame. What are you saying? We have allowed an ash heap to build up in our life so much so that we've not picked up a spiritual shovel and removed the ashes that when the oxygen or the breath of the Spirit of God starts blowing, it no longer rekindles the fire. It no longer motivates us. It no longer moves us because we have too many ashes of past hurt and past emotion and past things that we've not let God deal with. But I just come by to tell somebody this morning, it's time to pick up a bucket. And it's time to grab the shovel. And it's time to remove some ashes. Because the wind wants to blow in your life again. 
the Spirit of the Lord wants to blow in your life again. Why is that significant? I also watched, I'm telling you something, I don't know a whole lot, but I learned some things about a fire. I also remember that when they would light the kindling fire, you know, the little strips of wood, the little pieces of wood, that they they would reach down there and they would blow on it to get it to ignite. I'm just simply telling you, your fire's not completely out. You feel like it is, but there's still a flicker. There's still a flame because you're still chasing God. But what the Holy Ghost wants you to do is allow Him to get the ashes out of your life so when He blows on your life, it'll rekindle the fire and reignite the flame of God in your heart. But he can't do it when you're nursing and rehearsing the hurt over and over and over again. See, if the ashes in the fireplace are allowed to continue to build and mount, they will eventually extinguish the fire. They will get so large, if you just keep piling more wood in and more wood in and more wood, eventually the ash heap will get so tall that it will smother out the fire. And I'm just here to tell somebody this morning, yes, about where you are today. Don't get mad at the preacher. I ain't here to read your mail. This is the Holy Ghost. Some of us have allowed the ash heap to build up and we've just mounted ash upon ash upon ash upon ash. One hurt after another hurt after another hurt after another hurt. What this one said, what that one said, what that one did, what this one did. And we've just allowed it to mount up and 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 mount up. And when it comes time to go into the Lord's house, oh, we just go because we want to be seen, but we don't really engage in anything going on. Because... The scripture talks about a spirit of heaviness. Yeah. It's that weight that you've been carrying that he never meant for you to carry. Jesus went to Calvary for our salvation. But too many times, we want to stop it and end it there. No, 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 no. It's not the way it works. Jesus went to Calvary for the salvation of humanity. True. But by His stripes, we are healed. Yeah. Healing is in more forms than just a physical body. Jesus didn't just go to Calvary for your salvation, but he went to Calvary to carry your load. He he went to the cross to carry your burden. Cast your cares upon me because I care for you. That's what the Bible says. Why are you walking around toting your ashes? Why are we walking around embracing the hurt? You say, preacher, you don't understand. You're probably right. I probably don't. But you can't tell God he don't understand. Yeah. Because we have a high priest. According to Hebrews chapter 4, we have a high priest who is able to sympathize with us. He is able to understand our infirmities. He is able to sympathize with what is ailing us. He is able to understand what you're dealing with and what you're walking through, what you're going through. God says, I have so much for you, but you got to deal with some ashes. I have so much more for you, but you need to pick up a bucket and you need to start scooping. How do you do that, preacher? Give it to him. Ashes are just simply the remnants of something that once remained or was once present. Sometimes we look back at what used to be and wish it could be that way again. Perhaps we've lost something or someone that used to be and we're wishing we could 
have that relationship again. Sometimes we grieve our past. Listen, can I just, well, it's my assignment for the moment, so I'm just going to be real honest with you. We all dream, as young boys and young girls, of the day we get married. Most of us do anyway. But we dream about the things that we've been shown on movies and TV shows and, you know, the, the life that we would have with the beautiful house, the white picket fence, the plush green lawn, the big beautiful trees that provide the shade in the summer, sitting on the back porch in a rocking chair, sipping some good old sweet tea. Life is grand. Life is excellent. More money in the bank than I can spend. What we dream about. The fresh smell of a neatly cut lawn. The crisp 68 degree air blowing through the meadow. Happy kids running about the yard playing. The neighbor walking over with a fresh baked apple pie. And some bluebell vanilla ice cream. It's what we dream about. But see, what nobody wanted to really tell us is, that ain't the way life goes. Most of the time... We live in a house that needs constant updates. We don't have a white picket fence. And we don't have a plush green lawn. It's mostly brown and orange because of the Oklahoma heat. And the kids are in the yard all right, but they're not playing gleefully and joyfully. They're fighting like cats and dogs. going somewhere just give me a minute and the neighbor's not walking over to your house with a fresh baked apple pie and a bucket of bluebell ice cream but they're walking over with a restraining order because they don't really want you to be their neighbor and we look back at what we used to dream as being real life today and we get down We look across at somebody else that we know and think that their life is all grand and glorious because every time you open up your social media page and you read their social media content, all you read is, the glory of the Lord is grand. My life is so beautiful. All you do is see in picture form and word form something they wish in their life was really like, but it's truly not there. I'm talking to somebody this morning. You look at what they present as being the perfect life and you allow jealousy to harbor in your heart because you don't have that. The reality of it is, you've heard this saying, the grass is greener on the other side. That's not always the case. I have found out that if the grass truly is greener on the other side, Brother Mike, it's probably because it's growing on the top of a septic tank. Because the fact of the matter is, they got problems just like you got problems, just like I got problems, just like we all got problems. But the difference is, what do we do with those problems? Do we embrace them? Do we nurse them? Do we rehearse them? Do we just go back through them over and over and over again? Or we do we finally get to the place to where we say, God, I'm sick and tired of dealing with this. I'm sick and tired of dealing just dragging this weight that just keeps weighing me down and I'm ready to give it to you. 
And Jesus is saying, I've been waiting the whole time. But we've got ashes that are building up. Memories, past. But when I read this book, God knew there would be ashes. Job book says, man that is born of woman is a few days and full of, yeah. Sometimes bad things do happen to good people. And sometimes bad things do happen to God's people. The reality of it is, is how we respond to that. What do we do with it? Psalms 113.7, he raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. It seems at times that we may have nothing left other than remnants of what was. But look around. Look around. Because there is somebody that's still in your corner. He hasn't left you. Many people will look back at 9-11 and the things that happened on that day and to find hurts and griefs and the troubling memories that we have of that day. And you can even go back as far as to 95 when the Oklahoma City bombing took place and perhaps some of you on a more personal level was more impacted by that day than 9-11. But the reality of it is we were never meant to live in the pain and the hurt. Let me get through this. Give us beauty for ashes. When the ashes are removed, the fire can burn again. When the ashes are removed, he can build something beautiful. The oil of joy for mourning. He knew there would be some mourning. He knew there'd be some bad days. He knew there'd be some days where you just didn't feel like you could put one foot in front of the other. But he said, when you are in those times and those moments, I've got some oil for you. I've got something for you when you're feeling down. I've got something for you in your moment of mourning. I've got something. It's called the oil of joy. He can restore to us the joy of our salvation. Oil is representation of the anointing. What are you saying? It speaks of His presence, where He is available, where He is resident, where He is at. And in your moments of mourning, He says, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. You may look around and not see anybody else in the room with you, but know this, that I am ever present. I am in your midst. I am standing among you. I have some oil of joy for your mourning. Listen, not only did I observe some fires, but I observed some cooking lessons. And when the fire is put to the oil, or if you want to say it another way, when the oil is put to the fire, something begins to happen. There's a, there's a crackling and there's a bubbling and... Baby, there's something good about to happen now. When the oil gets hot, we can take something that's unprepared and put it in the hot oil and it becomes prepared. You can take some raw chicken and you can batter it in some flour and you can drop it in some hot oil in a skillet and that unprepared raw chicken becomes something delightful. What are you saying, preacher? It's just a life lesson. When you get the ashes out so your fire can burn again, when you find yourself in a state of mourning, oh, honey, you will. No matter how much you give it to God, there will be another day where you find yourself in a state of mourning. But that's when the oil is going to be placed. And when the fire is burning because the ashes are gone and He places the oil of joy in your fire, what you were unprepared for, He is now preparing you for. 
See, you, you go in there with some, kind of like that raw chicken. You go in there with some raw emotions and some raw feelings, but baby, when you come out, you are seasoned. Hello? Some of you are laughing, but, 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 but I'm, I'm telling you what's happening is God is using everyday concepts to help us learn a spiritual principle here. Oil of joy for mourning. Rejoice today. Psalms 30, 11, Thou hast turned for me my mourning into dancing and has put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness. Sackcloth is what they would wear when they would mourn. They would often pour ashes over their forehead as a sign of mourning and sorrow. Now, we don't do that today. We just walk around and tell everybody how much we're down in the dumps. It's the same thing. People knew they were mourning because they had ashes on their forehead. But the oil of joy represents His power and His anointing. I'm almost done. Look at what it says. He will give us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. When you know somebody's been walking through some junk and you see them praising with everything they've got and you sit back and you wonder how can they praise God when everything they've been going through it's because He will give us a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. What He's wanting us to do is cast off that spirit of heaviness and take on that garment of praise. I'm telling you, you're going to praise your way out of some things at times that you couldn't pray your way out of. You just got to understand that there comes a point in time in your life where you just need to praise. I read something one time, it says dance like nobody's looking and we laugh at that. What we need to do is we need to praise like nobody's looking, like nobody Everybody's watching. We can't be worried about what everybody else is thinking. We can't be worried about what everybody else is going through. We just got to praise God. He wants to give you a dance today as opposed to a grieving heart. I'm almost done. He desires to clothe you with gladness. He wants to give you a new wardrobe. It's time to change some of your clothes. Some of you have clothed yourself with some past hurts. Some of you have been walking around with some old stained garments of the past. And God says, I want you to cast off that heavy garment. I want you to cast that thing off. And I want to give you a new wardrobe. I want to give you a garment of praise. He promises us a garment of praise to replace that spirit of heaviness. Today we come with a heavy heart, but God desires to replace that heavy heart with a garment of praise. You may have come into this place today with no desire to rejoice, but you can leave this house today praising His holy name. (laughs) You can refuse to go by what you see. Trust Him today, and He'll give you beauty one more time. He can reach into the mighty ash heap and pull out a beautiful flower. Abraham declared in Genesis 18, 27, He, or you and I as well, are nothing more than dust and ashes in the sight of God, but yet He blesses us. But yet, I said He blesses us. When He gives us these things that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He might be glorified. I made a statement a moment ago. I wonder how many people are not being one to the Lord by us because we are presenting the wrong Jesus. Can I tell you the Jesus we need to be presenting? The one that has given us beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I'm going to tell you two things. My grandmother is... As you know, November the 1st will be one year she went to be with the Lord. Love her with all my heart. But one day, I told her, I said, I said, I got time to talk today, Grandma. I got to go. Bye. Now you say, well, that was harsh. No. She called me up on the phone one day. And all she wanted to do was be negative. And I wasn't in a place to listen to it. I didn't be ugly. I didn't tell her. I didn't hang up on her. I just said, Grandma, I don't have time right now. And I didn't. I didn't have time to listen to this. I said, I'll call you back later. I got off the phone with her. I called her back later and we had a better phone conversation. See, sometimes 
you got to close out some negativity. And I'm not, I'm not being harsh toward her. She was human. My wife will tell you, if you ask her, she'll be honest with you and tell you there's times I'm negative. She got on me just the other day. She said, you need to stop. I was complaining about a problem. She said, this is a good problem. There are good problems. But sometimes we just need somebody to tell us to stop. With everything that we see negative, there's positive. Now watch this. I know what some of you are thinking. While I've been preaching this message, and I've talked about the deep, dark recesses and places of your heart where you've been harboring hurt, perhaps unforgiveness, your heart, your mind, your emotions. Some of you have thought, I just don't know how to deal with it. I don't know what to do. So as I was thinking about the message, the Lord showed me something. As a pastor of this house, I'm your shepherd. Jesus said in the book of John that I am the good shepherd and know my sheep. So this is what the Lord showed me. Now follow me with this illustration and I'm done. As a human shepherd, it's easy for me to see the external wound. It's easy for me to see the hurt or the wound that's on the outside. Are you just taking everyday shepherd out on a hillside somewhere? If the sheep has been bitten by some wild animal, he can see that wound externally. And while he may be able to walk over to that sheep and pick that sheep up and carry him over and clean that wound and bandage that wound and nurse that wound back to healing because he has the knowledge of how to do that. But there comes a point in time that there may be something going on on the inside of that sheep that the shepherd can't see. But what they witness on the outside is an indicator of a problem on the inside. Perhaps he's foaming at the mouth. Perhaps he says, I don't know how to handle this. So he picks the sheep up because it's above his knowledge and his ability. And he takes him down to the local vet where there's a trained doctor that knows how to fix that problem. It's the same for you and I. You cut your finger, you don't run get stitches in it every time. You go put some peroxide on it, some neosporin on it, and you wrap it in a band-aid and go on about your business. But there's other times where there's something going on internally that tells you something's going on that you can't fix. And you go to the doctor... And the doctor says, well, we need to go inside and work on some things. And so the day comes and your family's all assembled there and the doctor takes you to a room that's called the operating room where he can work on you while your family is sitting out waiting. I've said all of that to get to this point right here. There's some things that even as a pastor I can't fix. In you. But we can take you to the one who can take you to the room who can do the heart procedure on you that needs to be done. So many times we look internally to ourselves as to how to fix things that God intended to fix. And I'm going to be honest with you this morning. The hurt that I'm talking about today, the places of your heart today where things have been harbored, where things have been held on to, where things have been embraced, that you've hidden away, that you wouldn't tell nobody about, the unforgiveness that you don't want anybody to know you're holding on to. You don't want to walk up here and look at me and tell me those things just so I can pray for you. 
And I don't blame you. But you can't fix those things. But let me tell you who can. The Father can. You say, well, I don't understand. That's the beautiful thing about it. You don't understand. I don't understand. But some way, somehow, He can cause healing to take place. He can cause a mending and a restoration to take place that can cause a spirit of heaviness to be lifted and a garment of praise to be put on. Now, I know this is not one of those shout to aisles, running, jumping, chair flipping kind of services or sermons. But in spite of all of that, there's a work for God to do. And I'm going to be honest with you this morning. I'd much rather preach one of those running, jumping, chair flipping kind of sermons. But I know the Lord said. There's some things holding us back. And it's just like, you know, sometimes somebody has to have a hard conversation with us because, well, maybe you've never had a hard conversation, but I'm going to tell you something right now. I'd, I'd, I was raised by a single mom. I'd rather her beat me with a belt all day long than sit down and have a talk with me. Huh? I hated those things. We need to have a talk. No, I just beat me for 30 minutes with that belt. I don't want you talking to me because I always felt about that big. But I'm telling you today, there's a father who wants to mend the hurt and bring restoration and healing to your heart. Stand with me all over this house. Let me just tell you today, and I've told you this before, when I speak of things, I speak over 20 years of pastoral ministry experience. I've been told some things I didn't want to be told from people that we've pastored. I learned some things about people I didn't necessarily want to learn. But I'm going to tell you this today. Don't think for one minute that however drastic, difficult, harsh the pain and the hurt that you've experienced is, that it's so much that God can't fix it. I'm going to tell you this quick story. We pastored a family in Louisiana. This woman had an adult son that was struggling. We off live stream. <laughs> 